the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Whenever we hear the term adultery, we generally think in terms of the betrayal that takes place between a husband and a wife. For those of us that are Christians, it can also refer to those times we choose the things of this world over the things of God. Listen today as Pastor Draper speaks to us from the subject, the danger of spiritual adultery. He will be speaking from the Old Testament book of Malachi, the second chapter, verses 10 through 12. Father, help me to preach this message now in a way that's acceptable in your sight. Cleanse me, prepare me, help me. Without you, I cannot do this holy thing of God. Arrest me by your spirit. May your people have a heart to hear and receive and act on what they've heard. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, turn with us to the book of Malachi once again, chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. I was preaching in this text um, last Sunday, and, uh, and as I was getting in it, God gave me so much insight fresh insight. And so what, what you're going to find this Sunday is you're going to find new insight intermingled with the old insight that I gave you last week. So you're going to hear old and new uh, intermingled together. So make just hold on and let's just see what God does. Amen? Malachi chapter 2 verses 10 through 12 is our text. Have we not all one father has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another? <laughs> By profaning the covenant of the fathers. Judah has dealt treacherously. And an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. He has married the daughters of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob the man who does this, being awake and aware, yet who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And from this passage, once again, I want to preach the danger of spiritual adultery. The danger of spiritual adultery. Marriage is a holy and sacred institution created by God himself which means that we must value marriage, we must honor marriage, and we must reverence marriage. In the beginning, God created man and woman and performed the first marriage ceremony, uniting them in one permanent and perfect union. Therefore, if anyone tampers with the sacred institution of holy matrimony, he puts himself in danger of divine judgment or chastening from Almighty God. 
And such was the case in Israel where the Jewish men forsook their Jewish wives and abandoned God and his divine law and they married foreign women who would lead them into idolatrous worship. Israel committed spiritual adultery in their hearts which ultimately carried out was carried out in forbidden physical relationships with pagan women's women outside of the nation of Israel. Beloved, spiritual adultery is not exclusive to Israel. Many in the church today are guilty of spiritual adultery because they have exchanged their commitment, love, affection, and allegiance to Christ for the love of money. Many exchange their allegiance and affection and love for Christ for the possessions of this world, for their careers, for power, for prestige, for sports, for sororities, fraternities, social organizations, all consuming in these kinds of things and leaving the weightier things of the kingdom undone. And then you will have, this is leaving your first love and you commit spiritual adultery to spend more time and have more allegiance to the things of this world that's passing away and forsake the God who created you and who saved you. The Bible says in Luke 9, 62, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Look at verses 10 and 11 in the text, if you will. It says, have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another by profaning the covenant of the fathers? Judah has dealt treacherously and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's, what? Holy institution, which he loves. He has married the daughter of a foreign god. You see, Israel was a nation created by God And Israel was also taught the law of God so that they would reflect the character and holiness of God. God was Israel's father in that he chose them out of his love to be his own special people. Isaiah chapter 43 verses 1 and 2. Turn back there once again because I just love this verse. I know we looked at it last time, but it's just so critical that we look at it again because we want to get it in our spirits and in our soul. And uh, for the sake, even for those who weren't here last week. Um, Isaiah 43, 1 and 2 says, but now thus says the Lord who created you. And you know what? God didn't only create Israel. Don't you know God created you too? How many of y'all know God created you? How many of you know God owns you? Amen. How many, how many of you know you're saved by God? Amen. Well, well he, he's talking to us even today. He's talking to us even today. He said, who created you, O Jacob? Jacob's name was changed to what? Israel. So he's speaking to Israel. And he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. In other words, I created you, I formed you, I named you, and you belong to me. And you're not to be like all all the other Ikes out there. I call you to be a holy nation to reflect my holiness and to reflect my character. And be it known to you today, God has called the church today, like Israel, to reflect his what? Holiness 
and to reflect the character of God. I pose a question to you today. When people look at you, do they see the holiness? Do they see the character from the Lord upon you? Israel treacherously polluted and defiled the institution of marriage by treating it as if it were nothing, which was an insult to God who created the holy institution of marriage. The Israelites violated the special relationship God had with the Jews as the father of his people by divorcing their Jewish wives and marrying foreign women, which God's law strictly prohibited. Look again, if you will, to Exodus chapter 34, verses 14 through 16. Exodus chapter 34, hold today's text, but look back in Exodus 34, 14 through 16. When you finally say amen, it's kind of weak, so you're still searching. Exodus 34, 14 through 16. When you find it, once again, say amen. That sounds much better. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they play the harlot, harlot with their gods, and make sacrifice to their gods. And one of them invites you, you, one of them invites you, and you eat of his sacrifice. And you take of his daughters for your sons and his daughters play the harlot with their gods and make your sons play the harlot with their gods. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 1 through 4. God's word, God's law strictly prohibits uh, Jews from going outside of, of the nation of Israel to marry, to divorce their wives, and, number one, and then to marry foreign wives, pagan wives that would lead them into idolatry. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 4, it says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Jebusites, all those ikes you see, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall Conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters by for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly." And then look, then jot down for this one. I read this one. We read it last week. Ezra 9, 1 and 2. Ezra, Ezra 9, 1 and 2 speaks of uh, Israel being forbidden to go marry uh, outside of Jewish relationships. And then Nehemiah 13, 23 through 27. Well, let's look back at, let's look at this one once again. Uh, that's a message I want to share with this one. I didn't share the last time, especially with this, but I shared it with the second service. God gave me that second service, but not the first. So I want you to catch it too. Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 23 through 27. <clears throat> Look what it says. When you find it, say amen. Oh, it's kind of weak. Nehemiah 13, uh, 23 through 27. In those days, I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod. See, they all intermingled. Can't even, the kids can't speak the same language uh, 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 and, and could not speak the language of Judah. 
Couldn't speak the language of the countrymen. But spoke according to the language of one of the other people. Verse 25. So I contended with them and cursed them, struck some of them and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God, saying, you shall not give your daughters and your wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations, there was no king like him who was beloved of God, of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused even him to sin. Should we then hear of your doing all this great evil, transgressing against your God and marrying pagan women? I tell you something today. Women have caused many men to fall. When I got in ministry, my mentor told me, he said, Draper, you just begin to preach now. Don't begin to smell yourself. You ain't arrived. I want to teach you some things. You got to be ready to, three things you got, a preacher got to be ready to do. A preacher got to be ready to go. A preacher got to be ready to preach. And a preacher got to be ready to die. Go, preach, and die. Amen. Then he said, I'm going to tell you something. You need only one wife, one set of children. Amen. That's what he told me. And I'm going to tell you something else, too. You leave the alcohol alone. You don't need to be drunk in the pulpit. Folk folk are drunk enough in the pulpit. They don't need a drunk preacher, too. (laughs) Amen. And, And he said... And don't run dress tails. Many pastors fall because of dress tails. Don't you look at me like that. (laughs) I'm coming to your house. I'm bringing somebody with me. Amen. Now, I'm kind of safe in the hospital, but even then I have second thoughts. (laughs) Got to be careful. Satan will set you up. Satan will set you up. Here's Solomon with all that wisdom. All, you know, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. I mean, folk were mesmerized by his insight. And he was a wealthy man. And he had everything that one could want. And yet, 700 women? Man, one is enough for me. Amen. And when, I, when, I, when I get through trying to do all my needs for Darlene, I'm tired. How do you have time for a sideline cuckabine? Amen. And you know what? Uh, 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 you know what I like about Nehemiah didn't play. You know what he did? I mean, he, I mean, he gave strong leadership. If I get that kind of leadership, y'all accuse, y'all would accuse me of, uh, 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 and charge me with assault and battery. The kids were speaking different languages because they were intermarrying, went a whoring after women who would lead them into an idolatrous relationship, committing adultery on God. And you know what he got so angry with them? He didn't play with sin. You know what he did? He cussed them. He hit them. He grabbed them. And he pulled out their hair. Some of y'all in here playing around on God. Y'all ain't serious. Some of y'all. Some of y'all messing with somebody ain't your wife. 
ain't your husband living together with somebody that you ain't married to. I want y'all to say amen. Y'all are like I'm talking crazy in the house today. Amen, lights. Amen. You're fooling around here with stuff, y'all hanky-panky. Amen. And you, you're doing all kind of stuff, stuff that folk around you don't even know. You look holy, but you ain't as holy as you look. And you know what I need to do, some of y'all? I need to take on the spirit of Nehemiah. I need to get you and cush, bring you in my office if I could just know what you're doing. And I need to cuss you. I need to hit you. And I need to take you and pull off your hair. If you don't have no hair, mash your head. <laughs> Boy, that'll straighten a whole lot of folk up. You know, he performed church discipline. He wasn't playing. He did, in other words, Nehemiah did not play with sin. You know why the church doesn't have power today? Because she playing with sin. Too many folk dippling and dabbling. Y- y- y'all going a whoring after stuff, and you've left your first love. I didn't say all that last week, but God has a lot more for me to say too. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 in the text. May the Lord cut from cut off from the tents of Jacob, the man who does this, being awake and aware, yet who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. In this verse, the Lord invoke a curse on any Jew who committed the sin of marrying foreign women. The phrase, may the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob, meant that any man who blatantly violated his marriage covenant for foreign wives would die. You know what, God would kill them. I wonder if such were the case today, how many of you would be still sitting here? Thank God for the age of grace. To make matters even worse was that Israel thought they could appease God by bringing their offerings to the Lord of hosts while committing such an abomination and atrocity before him being blatant hypocrites. Beloved, God does not accept offerings from those who are corrupt, rebellious, or unrepentant. Let Jesus clean up your life, then bring him an offering. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, jot it down. It, it, it says there, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. In other words, to obey God is, to, is, better, to bring, is better than bringing a, a burnt offering in, in a state of sinfulness. And that principle still applies today. Before you bring your offering, clean up your life. Your offering is no appeasement to God when you got a dirty life. When you got a dirty life. One might ask the question, why was God so adamant against Israel being entangled with foreign wives? You say, man, God, Nehemiah didn't play, and God didn't play. Why were they so adamant about being entangled with foreign wives? And the reason is because to marry foreign women is to marry their religion. To marry foreign women is to marry their religion, which would result in apostasy. It would result in apostasy. And then what is apostasy? Apostasy. Apostasy. It is, it is a falling away from God. It is a falling away from God. It, apostasy is disowning God. 
Apostasy is abandoning allegiance to God. It is abandoning allegiance to God. What is apostasy? It is spiritual defection. It's spiritual defection. What is it? It is spiritual desertion of one's love and commitment to God. That's spiritual adultery. It is knowingly and deliberately rejecting God and his divine law. Y'all need me to repeat some of that again. Apostasy is falling away from God, disowning God, abandoning, abandoning allegiance to God. It is spiritual defection. It is spiritual desertion of one's love and commitment to God. It is knowingly and deliberately rejecting God and his divine law. That's apostasy. And there is someone under the sound of my voice. You have the Bible in your hand. And you're sitting in the midst of the saints in the church. But it is highly possible that you could be on the verge of apostasy. And even worse, you have fallen into apostasy. You came to Christ. You acknowledged Christ as your savior. But now you have left your first love. You are no longer excited about God, his word, or his church. You're no longer in Sunday school. You could care less if you take communion on first Sunday evenings. You don't get excited about new converts being baptized on first Sunday nights. You could care less about reading your Bible daily or continuing in the spirit of prayer. You, when you first came to Christ, you were hot for God. You loved God. You witnessed for God. You sang for God. You ushered for God. You were, you were whatever you were for God. But now everything is in the past tense. You are an apostate. You've, you've gone a whoring after the things of this world. And you have committed, beloved, spiritual adultery. And God has me here today to tell you, as Malachi told his audience in his day, to repent and turn from your backslidden condition to the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, this message is not exclusively for Israel. It is also for the church today. It is never God's will for a believer to marry foreign men or women who is an unbeliever. A genuine born-again Christian is radically different from an unbeliever. Radically different. We're different in our worship. The Christian will want to worship God, Jehovah God, and none other. The, uh, uh, the, a pagan person will want to stay home and watch sports. The Christian will want to come and prepare their hearts for worship. The pagan will want to stay and go to Bedside Baptist Church. We're different in our worship. We're different in our priorities. Uh, we're different in our values. We're different in our morals. The pagan you're married to want to cheat on his taxes, and you say, no, I don't want to cheat. I want to trust God. And some of you got pagan spouses, and they ain't thinking about coming to God because you beat them cheating. How you going to join? He said, oh, you want me to come to Christ? Look what you're doing. You're helping me do it. And then next minute he said, why are you not coming to church? Well, you ain't even being consistent for them to even see a need to come to Christ. Huh? I mean, we differ in worship. We differ in priorities. We differ in values. We differ in morals. We differ in our thinking. The believer and unbeliever do not even think alike. We are, we are worlds apart. We differ in our fellowship. We're different. 
Turn to 2 Corinthians 6.14, every one of you. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Look what it says. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be unequally yoked. Does it say kind of be? Huh? Does it say you can? Uh, It says do not be unequally yoked together with whom? Unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? What communion? Allow me to give you some words of wisdom to keep you from unnecessary pain, suffering, trials, and tribulations. Number one, when a Christian marries someone who is unsaved, it automatically puts their relationship with Christ at risk and in jeopardy due to compromising with the spouse who does not have an allegiance to Jesus Christ. When a Christian, I repeat it again, when a Christian marries someone who is unsaved, it automatically puts their relationship with Christ at risk due to compromising with a spouse who does not have an allegiance to Jesus Christ. Very few unsaved spouses allow the other partner to serve the Lord as they please without interference. Very few. You can just go on, look, you do whatever you want to do, and you can love God, you can tire to God, you can do all that, but just leave me alone. I ain't bothering you, but don't you bother me. You see, very few have that position. They don't want to come, they don't want to do, and they interfere with you doing too. Number two, being unequally yoked. Here's one I did not give you last week that the Lord gave me this week. Being unequally yoked also means we should not be co-owners of businesses with unbelievers. That gets deep. Okay, being unequally yoked also means we should not be co-owners of businesses with unbelievers. You are setting yourself up for a crisis, and I have seen it, and it, 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 is, a, it is a tragedy when friends, uh, 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 one is a Christian and one is an unbeliever, and they go into a business together. And, and, and that Christian put friendship and relationship over biblical principles. And as they begin to engage in business practices, they begin to see that they can't connect. Why? Because they don't think alike. They are unequally yoked. You say, but I've been knowing them. That's my homie. God says, I don't care if they're your homie. I said, don't be unequally yoked. Yoked. Life circumstances uniquely affect people differently, yet God's love, grace, and mercy are limitless. The good news is God's word is uniquely sufficient. He knows what to do in every situation. He made us and he knows us better than we know ourselves. The Bible tells us to trust him, lean on him, and to acknowledge him. Whether it's a success, a setback, or a failure, no matter what it is, God will order our steps when we depend on Him and Him alone. If you would like to make a special donation to support the radio ministry of Maranatha Bible Church, please visit our website at maranathasa.org. Select the Give option and choose the radio broadcast support fund. Thank you very much for your generosity. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.